Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning. Thank you to our worship team. You know, our staff got to go on a retreat this past couple days, our pastors and our staff. And on the first day of the retreat, we got a text. I got a text from our keyboard player, Daniel Standish, who's amazing, uh, that he was down with laryngitis. So we want to keep Daniel in prayer. If you're watching online, Daniel, we're praying for quick recovery. And then yesterday at our retreat, we got a text from our worship leader today, Jaren, who is an awesome worship leader and is so faithful, but she got sick too. So last night, uh, at our retreat, we had to scramble as a team, and I'm thinking about which worship leaders I can try to pull in. And then my wife volunteered me, and she said, Nathan, why don't I sing, Jessica, and, and, I'll, and she said, you can play guitar and piano. And I said, oh, I can? I'm preaching, you know. And she got Pastor Oscar to cover in uh, Studio G, and Stephen and the team rallied together, and we changed the entire worship set at the last second on the entire worship team, and Dart jumped in last minute on guitar, and they did great, didn't they? Give a hand to our worship team. And this is our pastors and staff. You see Pastor Oscar there on the right, my wife and I there in the middle, the Hulays, Pastor Heather there, and one of our recovery, both at recovery ministers and our adult ministries pastor. We got to go to a lake house about an hour from here uh, that someone blessed us with, and we just go to dream, to play, to have fun. We do have some competition playing some board games, and I don't mean to misuse my platform, but the guys dominated the girls in all board games. I got the mic. I'm just saying. Just saying. We love each other. You see the joy on our faces? Go back to that picture. Some of those faces are the joy of winners. Other of those faces are how you can be joyful in all circumstances, even when you, get, you lose really bad. <laughs> we like to get away each year to just celebrate what God has done. We pray, we laugh, we dream, we plan, and we think about the next year. Let's give a big round of applause to our staff and our pastors. They're awesome. Thank you, guys. We're in a series called Dream Again that's all about awakening the God-given dreams of your heart. And to set it up, I wanna tell you about something my family and I did a couple weeks ago, right before we started this series. We went and bought a bunch of art supplies and we were creating these paintings. We didn't know what they were gonna look like, but I got my kids, we have four to 13, four of them. We got a bunch of paint. You can see us prepping in our backyard there. And what we did is we laid the canvases out and I said, get a brush get a color, and don't just start throwing. Before they threw, they had to say something they were thankful for that this color represents, and then they did it. And then we all got a different one. Now tell us something you're dreaming about that this color represents, and they all did it. And then I said, now tell us, tell the family something that you're praying for, a request before the Lord, and they did it, and they threw the paint on. And this is what we ended up with as our paintings at the end of the day. And as you can see in the next pictures, they did get pretty covered. Those hands are covered solid with paint. Those feet are covered with paint that didn't come off as easy as I thought it would. Those are my shoes. What I love about these pictures, though, is to me, it's representative of being covered head to toe in gratitude, dreams, and prayers of our family. And so we loved doing it. Even Jess and I got covered. The best part, of course, was the joy that we feel. Look at, here's Nessa, super happy, paint all over her afterwards. And Clay was in some kind of like euphoria state, as you can see on his face there. He was just in his moment. They experienced no pressure doing these paintings. They had no fear. They had no anxiety over their contribution, just free imagination and creativity as they enjoyed the delight of me and my wife, their parents, 
over them. And today what I want to submit to you as the third part of this series is that God, our Father, wants us to dream a little bit more like kids. And the main idea is this. God has designed and invited you to dream with faith and boldness, not fear and anxiety. I believe this is part of his design on your life, but it's actually just an invitation because he does not force you to do it similarly how he doesn't force any of us to do anything. It is an invitational approach that God takes with us. We are invited to walk in the ways that lead to life, but we are not forced. We are invited to step into the design to, bring, to dream with faith and boldness, or we can choose to dream with fear and anxiousness. Fear is defined as a feeling of dread about something threatening or dangerous that might happen. We all know familiar fears. Faith is complete trust or confidence in something or someone. So we want to move from fear to faith in our dreaming. Anxiousness is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. And I will just tell you, I believe a lot of people and a lot of followers of Jesus are living right now with a base level of anxiousness all the time. Boldness is the willingness to take risks and act with confidence or courage. So we wanna move from anxiousness to boldness in our dreaming. And I wanna ask you this question. When you imagine what a future could be, when you dream, when you think, is it more defined by fear and anxiousness and insecurity, or is it marked by boldness and faith? I know that oftentimes many of us, it's marked by fear and anxiousness on repeat as if we're playing that to ourselves constantly. And we need to change the station or we need to modernize that and change the playlist from fear and anxiousness to faith and boldness. But the question is, how do we dream with faith and boldness? How has God designed us to dream like this? Quick recap on the last two Sundays. Godly dreaming will follow divine order. Divine order says everything begins with God. So we talked about this two weeks ago. Dreaming again begins with the greatest dream of beholding Jesus again, period. So we're not talking about what our world says, follow the dreams of your heart. That's not what this series is about. This is about learning the dreams that God has created us for. And the first one is beholding Jesus. I have used this quote in this series. Sam Storm says, you become like that which you behold. So if your heart is not awakened to the dream and the wonder and the beauty and the privilege of beholding Jesus as you follow him, you got to start there. Because nothing will fall into line the way that God has it in our lives until that is number first, that is number one. We've been using this acronym, Jesus first, others second, yourself third, J-O-Y, joy. If we wanna walk in the joy he has for us, it follows divine order, which means Jesus first. And when we behold Jesus, we realize this deepest dream of knowing him where there is total satisfaction, total peace. I was writing a song the other day, uh, just in, for fun in my office, and, and it just was beautiful to realize this song will likely only be heard by the Lord, and that's enough, right? The beautiful things God is doing in your life before him are enough by themselves, and that's learning to get divine order in place. And then he orients our hearts towards others as we behold him follow divine order. He causes us to love our neighbor as ourself. He causes us to get a glimpse of his dream for other people and calls us to adopt that dream and treat them accordingly. We talked about that last week. Reinvigorate the dreams that you have for everyone in your life. Adopt God's dream for them and treat them like that. And we talked about eight declarations for healthy relationships. <clears throat> I'm not going to recap them. You can listen to any of this 
at gracelandchurch.com slash podcast. We do an audio and video podcast on there. Today is gonna be four principles and declarations about dreaming with faith and boldness again. And we're gonna look at four pieces of scripture uh, that are all from different parts of the New Testament, but I believe all have this incredible thread. And this first story is Jesus hanging out with his disciples. These are just young men following Jesus. And there's more than just them. There's a crowd gathered around them, men and women, people that wanna follow Jesus. And they were dreaming about their future, the disciples, and wondering who was gonna be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's called positioning. When you find yourself in a group of people and all you can think about is where you measure up, that's called positioning. We do it in school. We do it in college. We do it in our workplaces. God has called us to move away from that, but this is where the disciples are. And I love that scripture is real and it includes real life scenarios because a lot of us wonder and would actually ask God if we were really honest, God, how do, we, how do I become one of the greatest people around? How do, I, how do I ensure my spot of greatness in heaven? And Jesus just blows our minds in his response in Matthew 18. The disciples came and said, who then is the greatest? And Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So he does something that is completely unexpected. And he actually gives us a mandate. And he says, unless you change and become like this little child, you don't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he actually answers their question and says, there are those that are the greatest in the kingdom, and it's the lowliest. It's those that are lowly like a child. And this theme is all throughout scripture. The entrance to the very kingdom of God can be defined most simply as humility. It is a childlike faith. The first principle is this. The kingdom of heaven is about childlike faith and humility. I learned from one of my mentors, Rod Loy, years ago. He said, who are the most secure people on the planet? Who wrestle the least with insecurity? And imagine it for a second. You don't have to call out any answers. And he eventually said, well, I believe it's kids around the ages of four, five, six, seven. Before they've really developed insecurity, if they've got a healthy home especially, they are relying completely on their parents, unaware of the challenges of the world, and therefore free to dream, free to use their imagination. Isn't it sad, those of you guys that have raised kids, to see your kids develop insecurity? It actually has to be learned. It's part of our sinful nature. And so Jesus is making clear to us through the whole scope of Scripture that we need to be, take seriously changing to be like children again. And so I want to give it to you as a declaration today. I'm encouraging you to adopt this. I will become like a child again in absolute reliance on God. When you have faith like a child, you begin to dream with faith again. When you realize who your father is that can be trusted, that spoke the cosmos into creation, that knows everything from the beginning to the end, that gives you the breath you breathe, the more you realize who he is and the more you realize he's called you to function like a child, the more you can step back into faith like a child that leads to the kind of dreaming that God invites us to. It's counterintuitive, but how many of you guys are with me in saying, if my God, who I pursue and I believe who made me, says, I need to become like a child again, I want to become like a child again. It doesn't make sense. We're doing things. We have to lead our families. We have to make decisions at work. We have to function like adults in the world. But Jesus is saying, no, become like a child again. How would your life look different right now 
if you adopted faith like a child with every challenge you're facing in your life? It'd probably be really different. And then it piggybacks onto this next idea. I went to Bible college, and at Bible college, there are two great goals. One is to find your spouse. Two is to find out what God's will for your life is. And there's lots of fear and anxiousness about both, right? And it's not just Bible college. I've pastored in Los Angeles and Nashville for the last 15 years or so. And both of those cities have people coming to them all the time filled with dreams. And a lot of them are looking for spouses. A lot of them are looking for how to get to their dream. And those that are Christians end up asking, how do I find your will, God? I'll do whatever you want me to if it will lead to this preferred future. And it starts to be marked by fear and anxiousness. But I just want to submit to you that when it comes to God's will, even the biggest decisions of our life, we are not designed to approach it with fear or anxiousness, period. And there's a verse uh, that is so powerful in the book of, book of 1 Thessalonians that shows us how simple it can be to seek and walk in the will of God. Not easy, but simple. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is what God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we see things like this all throughout scripture that give us a clue. We actually know the will of God more than we realize. And the will of God often isn't as much about who exactly you're with or what exactly you're doing, but it's more about who you are becoming. My dad used to say to me as a kid, Nathan, I know you're concerned about all the details of life, but you are the will of God. It's in your heart, it's in your mind. If you're saying yes to him, and if you're saying yes to this scripture, teach me what it is to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. Then you live out number two, this principle. The will of God finds us as we walk in the ways of God. That's always true. Matthew 6.33 says this, seek first his kingdom, divine order, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. All these details will come to you as you follow this divine order. But I wanna, what I want to submit to us is we can reclaim a childlike faith and simplicity with our approach to the will of God by saying, wait a second, God's will for me right now, he already told me, rejoice. He already told me, pray. He already told me, give thanks in all circumstances, which how, we can all agree, a lot easier to read that on paper than actually live it out. Anybody with me? But nonetheless, he has showed us what his will is. And what I want to encourage us when it comes to our dreaming and our thinking about walking in and pursuing the will of God to, to move from fear and anxiousness to confidence because he's actually given us a clear picture of what his will is. Here's the declaration. I will walk in God's will with confidence, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. Keep in mind, the very spirit who fills us as followers of Jesus, the very power that we walk in in this gospel message is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you really think that you're meant to walk around with resurrection power in your heart, terrified of missing God's will? Do you really think you're meant to walk around with resurrection power in your heart with a base level anxiety about every decision you have to make? No, this is not the design. This is not the invitation from God. My wife and I have adopted the phrase when it comes to especially really big decisions in our life out of the book of Acts when they were making decisions. And they would say, it seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. You guys remember that? It seems right to us and the Holy Spirit. Every giant decision and little decision that we have come to together, and this was true of our lives before this too, we have not done it perfectly, but we have 
We have done everything we can to live freely in the wonder of God, trusting the Spirit's leading, even when it comes to the big moves. Like we went from Pennsylvania to LA with a five-month-old. We went from LA to Nashville with our fourth kid on the way. Neither had any income attached to the other side of it. They were big faith moves where we wish we'd be able to say, we know for sure we heard God's audible voice. He said, go. That wasn't really it. It was more, it seems right to us in the Holy Spirit. And we've trusted the counsel in our lives. We're trusting the leading of the spirit in our lives. And once we're moving on that, it's a green light till it's a red light. And I'm just gonna tell you, I believe we need more Christians boldly dreaming and making decisions about how we shape this world around us in the name of Jesus. And not paralyzed thinking, I'm not gonna do anything until you tell me to do it. Please just tell me your will, I will do it. That's not what we're invited to. That is not the call of God but we get so afraid of missing his will that we don't do anything. The call is not to sit on the couch and say, I'll do anything you want, God. The call is to get up and do what he already told you. Rejoice, pray, give thanks, love the people around you, and he will guide your steps. And I don't know if you realize this, but if you're praying, rejoicing, giving thanks in all circumstances, if you're, not perfectly, by the way, if you're bringing your heart before him and you sense a green light about a big decision and now it's just we're going, he can always stop you. I often will pray, all right, God, now I'm going. Stop me if you need to. Redirect me. Everything is the Lord's. We surrender. We are, I'm not talking about being haphazard about decisions. I'm talking about boldness in the Lord. And I just believe that we Christians need to reclaim that, not for our own sake, but for the sake of God's mission in the world. I've been talking to some of the business leaders in our church, and we need to let the church know, those followers of Jesus, and sometimes business people can feel like they don't have a place in the kingdom or the church because we always talk about just running church services. No, they are called to boldly dream and live and create new worlds in business that expand the kingdom of God. You can't do that if you're paralyzed by fear on your couch. You can't do it if you're saying, if you speak, I'll go, and that's it. You gotta just start going. He has already spoken to you about how to live so you can confidently walk in his will. There's a quote from Bob Ross that I love. You guys know Bob Ross, the, the fro, the painting? I've shared this before, but I share this about once a year. He would do paintings, and his program is called The Joy of Painting. You remember that? And in this series, we're kind of using painting as a metaphor for life. And his vision was to help people freely create without worrying so much about how it looked, or it didn't have to be the greatest thing in the world, the joy of painting. I think we as Christians need to get back to the joy of living, <laughs> the joy of dreaming, the joy of making decisions, and not overly paralyzed by fear and anxiousness. And so I want to adopt, uh, I, I transliterated some of what he said during one of his shows, and I just typed, I wrote it down, and I want to just read this to you, but adopt it, and, and, and let it hopefully give us a vision of how I think we can live freely in the Lord with a childlike faith. He says, painting doesn't work until you have the right base. That's the gesso base on the white canvas. For us, it means divine order. It, we can't do this until we say, Jesus, you're first, others second, myself third. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust you. That's the base. Then you can make decisions and have fun in the joy of painting. Let me read it this way. You can make decisions and have fun in the joy of life, in the joy of dreaming. Let's just have some fun today. Let's just dance a happy little sky over here today. Maybe something like that, whatever. Just make some decisions. You get a multitude of different values and colors. Shoot, put some excitement in your world. Sometimes my hand is a little shaky, so I need all the help I can get. Let's put a bright spot here. It won't look all that bright at this point, but it will when we get farther along. Let's make some nice little clouds that just float around and have fun all day, wherever you think they should be. 
We have to make our first major decision in this painting. Where is the mountain going to live in our world? No pressure. Let that knife just float down the side of the mountain. Zoom. Got to make the noise or it doesn't work right. (laughs) Can we live a little bit more like that? I believe our king, it doesn't mean we're not living under the lordship of our king. I think part of his lordship in our lives is he has said, live with childlike faith. He has said, dream. He has said, be bold. And then we're going to take it even further in this next uh, passage out of 2 Timothy 1. Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And there's one thing I want to point out in this that leads to the principle in the declaration. He affirms Timothy's sincere faith. He says, that is really good that you have sincere faith. But then he says, in the context of your sincere faith, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God in your life. And I learned this from John Bevere, uh, who's a great teacher and author, who's who's now in this area that that we're hoping to get connected to. He said that sincere faith is important, but we must also fan and to flame the gift in us. That's the principle, number three. He said it in different words. But we oftentimes think as Christians, if I'm sincere, that's enough. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm sincere, and that's good. I sincerely love Jesus. This is not throwing water or shade on that. It's beautiful. It's good. It should, insincere is not good. Sincere faith is awesome. But the Apostle Paul here says, now you need to be reminded. God has not called you to live by fear. Fan into flame the gift of God in your life. Whose responsibility is it to fan into flame the gift? You. That is something God calls us to do. So the declaration is, I will reject timidity and use my gifts as the Holy Spirit empowers me. I believe the fruit of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit is the answer to all of our prayers. And this says the Spirit he gave us, the very Holy Spirit of God, does not make us timid. Now, we are still humble. We are clothed in humility, compassion, and meekness. But you know what meekness actually means? Strength under control. He has not called us to be timid followers of Jesus. There is no fear. On the contrary, he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So you, my friends, need to re-engage and use your gifts. You cannot be afraid. You should not worry about what people think so much. Don't you realize, and I know this because I'm with you, we get obsessed with what everybody else thinks about us. Who's with me? Well, I mean, that's sometimes all we think about. And God is very interested in breaking us free of that. When little kids that have childlike faith get embarrassed about something, it happens. And it doesn't happen that much when they do get embarrassed. They get over it in a couple minutes and just go back to playing. And I just think we need to adopt that kind of philosophy. Philosophy. What did I just say? Philosophy. Felicity. Velocity. We need to adopt that philosophy and fan into flame our gifts. We're going to close with this case study that Jesus said. I sometimes can't even believe this story is in the Bible. It blows my mind that much. It's a parable that Jesus told, and it leads to our fourth principle and declaration. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Now pause there. Just look at me for a second. Try not to read ahead. 
Let's just really set the stage of this parable. And let's use me as an example. I'm the guy who I finally got my kids to bed. We locked our doors, all the lights are off, and it's midnight. Can all my parents say, don't bother me at midnight when I'm finally in bed and my kids are asleep? Anybody with me? And then all of a sudden, Steve Kutz comes to my house at midnight. That's basically what this parable is saying. He starts knocking real hard on my door to the point that it wakes us up. I'm immediately thinking, this better be a huge emergency from one of my neighbors. And all of a sudden, it's Steve Kutz, and I'm like, what's up, Steve? What, what's wrong? Are you, is, is your house burning down? Is someone about to die? And he goes, no, I need some bread, man. My, there's someone staying in my house, and I have no bread for them. They're journeying through. It's Stephen Houlet. He needs some bread. And, and do you have any bread I can borrow? I'm thinking, Steve Kutz, get off my property. You know what I mean? I'm in bed and my kids are asleep. See you later, right? So that's the, that's the context. And then we read in verse eight, Jesus is saying this. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Pause, look back at me again. Now, I think this is really true. If Steve did, the, if Steve did me wrong like this, I wouldn't give him the bread because I love him, which I do. And I wouldn't give him the bread because he's my friend, which he is my friend. But I'd probably give him the bread because I'd be like, you seriously came here at midnight to get a loaf of bread for Stephen Houlet? Can't you just deal with it? You know what I mean? I would probably go, fine, here's some bread. Get off my property. You know what I mean? That's what Jesus is saying. He is saying that the only reason this person gets the bread is because of their boldness, their shameless audacity. And then look what he compares it to. So I say to you, so because of that, I'm telling you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. I almost start weeping as I read that in this context because we miss this as Christians. Jesus is actually telling us there are things that you will get the answer for because of your shameless audacity. He's basically saying, bother me at midnight and I'll give you the bread. I can't believe that. And it breaks my heart because of how much I often miss that. And so many of us Christians miss that. And we don't bring our requests to God. He further says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I, he brings it into the context of the Holy Spirit, which is so beautiful. Because as I mentioned earlier, I believe that Scripture teaches us the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit in our lives is the answer to every one of our prayers. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Anybody need some of that? Wouldn't a little bit of a stronger, miraculous dose of love, joy, peace, and patience just kind of change everything? A little bit more of self-discipline, gentleness, faithfulness? Wouldn't that change everything? And that's just the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He also puts gifts in our lives and empowers us. Everything we need for everything we've been called to do is from the Holy Spirit. And this is connected to this story because he's saying, who will God not give the fullness of the Spirit to who asks? We often think God is just God. He's going to do whatever he does. My little prayers and my decisions don't have anything to do with that. That is not what this story says. This says that God responds to our faith and boldness. So much of me, it's so true and it's so tragic because we as Christians so often live 
so defeated by anxiousness and fear, so defeated by the needs, the problems that are dominating what we're repeating in our minds, so defeated by even our self-perception, so defeated by the inability to forgive others and release them. And he is telling us he responds to our faith and boldness. So whatever you need, whatever is not working, approach him with shameless audacity and expect that he will answer you. That is the kind of dreaming and living that our king commands us to live. The declaration is this, I will ask, seek, knock, and expect the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not disregarding humility. That's where people get mixed up. Sometimes people are like, I'm just humble. I'm not going to ask the Lord for anything. I'm just going to sit over here. True humility reveals to you your need. True humility gives you a greater glimpse of this great God who says, ask me, who says, seek me, who says, knock on the door, and I will answer. Like we're just living in problems that God wants to transform, and we're just okay with it. And we need to be reinvigorated with the dreams of our heart for a life of freedom, joy, peace, truth, purpose, meaning, fullness of the Holy Spirit. Me, as the father of my kids, went back to these paintings, and this is what I'm going to close with. These kind of look like chaos. They're beautiful to me because me and my kids and my wife made them. But I went through and I found some little tiny compositions that I took pictures of as an artist. And I'm not saying I'm good at it. I just love it. And, and I added these four declarations to the little photos that I took, and I created them to close our sermon. And I think they're beautiful. And I think it reminds us of our, our Heavenly Father takes our free painting, our joy, our creating, our dreaming, our mess, things that might not even look good, and he, he changes them up, massages them up, puts the truth of his word on it, and it becomes like, like beautiful parts of our story. So here's that first declaration again. I will become like a child again in absolute reliance on God. And then the second declaration, I will walk in God's will with confidence, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. If you see that image, go back to that one real quick, Samuel. If you see that image, doesn't it have a beauty to it? I think it's beautiful. And you can notice it's this little spot right here on the painting. And so they're just little pieces of our dreaming and our splattering. The third one, I will reject timidity and use my gifts as the Holy Spirit empowers me. I could probably sell that image to some band and make a lot of money on the album cover. You know what I'm saying? And I'll give some to my kids, don't worry about it, but I'm just saying, there's beauty in what we're creating. Fourth slide, I will ask, seek, knock, and expect the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So how, the way we wanna close this is, let's, let's ask, seek, and knock. So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up. Let's start by remembering divine order. We become like that which, behold, which we behold. Let's behold Jesus today. Will you close your eyes with me, church? Bow your hearts. Even if you're not a Christian yet here today, that is fine. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. You might feel your heart bursting out of your chest saying, this is for me. God has called me to so much more. You might not even know to call him God yet or Jesus yet, but he beckons to you. Sam Storms is the one who said, we become like that which we behold. Let's behold Jesus. Let's allow him to reinvigorate our hearts to dream for relationships. And let's allow him to reinvigorate our hearts for a life of childlike faith, freedom in decision-making under his lordship, joy in boldness, the, the desire... Uh, 
to expect the fullness of the Spirit, to ask, to seek, to knock, to believe that He wants to respond to our boldness. So I'm just going to open the altars. You can make an altar at your seat. Um, I'm going to head back over to the keys. Just begin to pray um, as we set up. We're going to sing this simple song that I would encourage you to make your prayer. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. And we're just praying that prayer that is really the most profound prayer we can pray. Holy Spirit, come. Let's ask. Let's seek. I want to close by asking you this question as you keep your eyes closed and hearts bowed before the Lord. How would your life look different if you stepped into childlike faith right now? How would your life look different if you stepped into confidence in the will of God? boldness in your gifts and expectation of fullness of his spirit as you ask, seek, and knock. How would your life look different? Let's lean into that vision of our life. Imagine yourself walking fully in the promises of God. Imagine yourself walking freely in childlike faith. Imagine yourself walking with prayers answered that you thought God wasn't even hearing. Lord, I pray that you'll meet each person so profoundly, not just here, but more importantly, later on in their room, in their vehicle, in their workplace, in their prayer closet, wherever it is that they're gonna seek you. I pray that they'll work this out in their hearts before you and that they will be reinvigorated in Jesus' name. No fear, no anxiousness, no timidity. Childlike faith, childlike wonder, freedom, joy, trust, hope, and boldness. Before I pray this benediction over us, let me just say, isn't it an awesome vision just thinking about living like this? Anybody with me? Cling to it. Don't forget it and walk in it. And let me remind you, um, Bethany Collins in the foyer, wave at us again. She is a good example of using your gift boldly because she is leading this event like a boss. And that's her gift. That's her gift. You might be terrible at leading an event, and that's okay. But you've got other gifts on your life, and they're not just about Sunday services. I, I, I pray that you'll explore that. But talk to her. I'd love for every person here to talk to Bethany and get connected with our fall festival. And uh, Newcomers Connect, go on our website, right on the homepage. You can get connected for all the various things we talked about. Uh, let me pray this benediction, and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great day.